Blog Talk Radio. night, November, November 1st, 2020. I'm Tanya Hathaway and I'm your host for Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB FM. Wow. It's getting chilly out, huh, you guys? It is November 1st. So, Tina Gertz joining us tonight once again, and I would just like to uh, let you know that uh, Tina's coming up, and she's coming to visit me, and we're doing some finishing things on our our, uh, not-for-profit that we're putting together. How are you tonight, Tina? I'm doing great. How are you? I can't wait to see you. I can't wait either. It's been since the rally, so it's been it's been, which has been too long ago. <laughs> so, yeah, I know a lot's long. been going on since. Yeah, connecting the dots, connecting the dots. So um, early morning for you, haunting huh, us. It will be a very early morning, but I'll still on the plane. Okay, okay. Well, I can't wait to start New England and get good important stuff. Uh, as so thank you for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we really appreciate your loyalty, and um, we've got a lot of good stuff as We're continuing our discussion about Oklahoma and the prison system where there is far uh, too much abuse. Well, isn't any abuse at all, just one too many. But unfortunately, that's not just one situation. Um, this is continuing. And I think they kind of had an idea that um, we were going to go away. Well, <laughs> we're still here. It's kind of like we both wobble, but they don't fall down. Uh, we've got, uh, there's a lot, there's big force. Tanya, you're, Tanya, you're breaking up. Yes. You're, bre- you're breaking up fading, yeah, and fading in and out. I'm not sure why. Uh, Oh, goodness. Well, Tina, why don't you, um, yeah, I don't know why, but I don't want this to continue, so I can always uh, try to call from a different area. Let me see. I sit here all the time, so I'll work on that. Let me know if it uh, gets any better or any worse. It's Can you hear me now? now. <laughs> yeah. Okay now. Okay. I yeah. Guess. Thank you. Thank you, Verizon. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll have to move my notes with me now. Okay. So uh, we good right now. All right. Yeah. Good. So. Uh, uh, 
So we've got a lot of COVID happening there, as, you know, we once really were focusing on not that long ago. Unfortunately, you know, even though it became very public um, and they were scurrying around uh, trying to take care of matters, uh, there's, um, they're trying to smother far too many uh, statistics and instances uh, where this is just um, going absolutely crazy. You, you know, I'm hearing about um, there's like eight different inmates that were infected just this week in one particular uh, public prison, okay, and which surprised me a little bit more because in some ways I'm hearing they're doing better with uh, the public prisons than the private, forgive me, private prison uh, than the public prison. So I, I'm just, this is just getting a little bit nuts. So eight inmates in the general population, in a general population unit, you know, not uh, cells where they're being, you know, held separately. So, but we don't hear about that. We don't see that. We all, but we do hear that they're coming back also with um, the, the bracelets back in, in January now. And now this time, those GPS bracelets are, um, instead of it being voluntary and a pilot program, that um, this is going to be mandatory. Now, of course, we know that um, Mike Carpenter, the COO of, ODO, of Oklahoma Department of Corrections, ODOC, uh, uh, that he had signed an affidavit stating that uh, the pilot program, that this was going to be voluntary. So now, sure, can they get away with this now? Sure, because it's not a pilot program anymore, is it? How snaky can we get? So we're back on that, aren't we, Tina? Yes. Yeah. Yep, so we're back on that, uh, and uh, unfortunately, um, there's we both have received a bunch of information, a bunch of information. I don't know who's on with us right now, but whoever's on, it sounds like you're in a car or something like that. Please do me a favor and mute yourself until, until we call you on, or if you can stop somewhere where it's quiet. Because we can't wait to talk with you, but we need to have a quiet background. How's that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. So, um, lots to talk about. So, it's a tell-all, and um, we hope that we get as many callers as we usually do with these tell-alls. We also know everybody's very, very busy. Hope everybody had a great Halloween. And um, and I know I'm scared right now. <laughs> I'm scared. I've been scared, but it's motivating. And uh, once you get moving, you know, then you don't have time to be scared, do you? So right. let's take care of right. Let's take let's take care of things. Let's take care of business. So uh, I want to say hi to my mom who regularly t- tunes in. Hi, mom. She's in New Hampshire. Love her to no end, and she sits up and she listens. Just had a 90th birthday party, and she just is very loyal and faithful, and she sits up and she listens. So I want to let everybody know that uh, Stephen Burke, 89.9 KLRB, is a non-for-profit, and he airs a good deal of our shows. And as as you're aware, faithfully, Sunday and 
Tuesday evenings and uh, every other Thursday. He's a non-for-profit. It's called Lighthouse Christian Radio, Lighthouse Christian Radio. So as we're coming to the end of the season, end of the year, uh, anybody, uh, you, know, you can open up your hearts and wallets a little bit for um, – for uh, Stephen, who's a, a Christian radio station, who uh, he didn't ask me to say this. I'm just, I'm just putting this out there. And as well, a Marty Oakley, I do not believe is a, a non-for-profit uh, PPJG, but she does take donations, and we know how hard that she works. PPJG.me. PPJG.me. There is a donation button. And um, she hosts a number of shows. And she also, um, you know, obviously she has hosts like me on. Hopefully if you're on, it's because you like at least the content and find it valuable. So um, once again, thank you very much. Uh, I just wanted to put that out there because if you didn't know, maybe you would have wished you did. (laughs) Okay. Um, Neither myself, Marty Oakley, Stephen Burke can be held liable for an error of content however that and that being said i scour and scour and scour verify and validate the best i can and uh, if there's an error that needs to be corrected i'll do it and the same thing goes for tina gertz so tina what have you got for us tonight oh we have so much to cover while you were talking (laughs) about covid earlier um, uh, today I tried to look up the DOC COVID stats for the prisons, and the website is disabled. And I just double checked it, and it's still disabled. So I don't know what is behind that, but we can get and and right. And there's nothing on their website either that brings to the attention, oh, hey, this is down, we're working on it, or anything like that, is there? No, there's not. Okay. You click on the link to take you to the test results, and it says that that it's disabled. Right. But this is just like with the colleges. Like I have two sons that are, that are in college, and you and so, you know, if you wanted to keep an eye on, on how things are doing COVID-wise, how many have it, or, you know, um, you know, and I don't want to hound them, you know, you know, and I just don't want to live that way. Right. But I can go on myself personally and see how things are going and how concerned or not I need to be. Well, it's the same kind of setup for, um, for the inmates, for anybody that doesn't know that. And, uh, and so you can go and you can see on a daily basis um, what those numbers are. And uh, for the loved ones and those concerned and, and advocates, and, uh, you know, this is a source uh, for trying to find out what's going right and, unfortunately, what's going wrong. Uh, and so for that to be down, it is um, it's suspicious at best, I would say, given that things have gotten a little bit out of control and we just got a message let me see from somebody right now actually it's emily who what did she say we've had emily on several times uh who just said uh two people uh got two pods down with covid 
uh, at Lawton. Now, Lawton is um, a, a, a federally run prison. Um, so two pods down. Now, oh. Tina, how, how many in a pod would you know at Lawton? I do not know. There's probably one to 200 in a pod. Okay, so that gives, right, that gives a pretty good idea. Um, Mabel Bassett. Mabel Bassett is uh, an Eddie Warrior. There are two. Uh, there are they are two different um, facilities, uh, prisons that are um, for women specifically. And uh, unfortunately, um, Mabel Bassett has been described from an inside source, somebody inside of the the prison pretty much as a petri dish and Mm -hmm. sadly enough there is a 33 year old woman last week uh that passed away now i haven't seen that anywhere reported i haven't seen those numbers account for that and um but there is from somebody who is close to this person the story is she had no health issues whatsoever, okay? Now, of course, this is, you know, third party for me, but a 33-year-old woman, no health issues. She started getting sick. She's asked for medical, asked for medical, didn't get medical for a week or so, um, and finally, longer than that, actually, if I remember correctly, and finally when medical came, by the time it came, or actually paid attention to her, she was shaking. That's how bad it was. 33-year-old woman, now gone, now deceased. Um, Who's really responsible for that? (laughs) In my opinion, it's not the virus that's responsible for that, not that one. Who's really responsible for that? I'm sure there's all kinds of waivers and disclosures and protections for the prisons, for the facilities. But there's also the constitutional rights that are afforded for offenders. Not the same. We've talked about this. They're not as good as what we get on the outside, okay? They're not as good. And you know what? We get that. We get that. But also, you know what? Remember this. In Oklahoma, especially, the over-sentencing because the over-sentencing is rampant. Sadly, the wrongful convictions are consistent And they wind up showing up with the same patterns, the same names, the same bad actors that will go down in history with Joyce Gilchrist, Joyce Gilchrist and Bob Macy. But we have to stop that before there are more victims of these people and a wrongful conviction. So it's bad enough being violated. under your rights as an inmate and then to think that you've got the you know the law and four 
and the droves of others that are coming forward, and and that's and that's just from Lawton. The abuse, the negligence, um, is not acceptable ever, and uh, we're working on that right now. We're working on that. We need to get some more things done. What else, Tina? Oh, Lexington. Let's talk about good old Lexington. There was an inmate who was tested for COVID because he was getting released, and he tested positive. As soon as he got out, he tested and was negative. But because he was positive, the prison took all the people that had contact with him and put them in quarantine. Not for two weeks, but for three weeks. Um, The conditions were filthy, and they were refused cleaning products to clean the cells. Um, They weren't given a change of clothes the entire three weeks. So they stayed in the same clothes for three weeks. Um, it was... No showers, you said, right? No. I'm not no, sure we if they know, had we know. showers. Um, they had no heat and were in cells with windows that were stuck open, and you ju- and you just had an ice storm there too. As a matter of fact, we, Kelly Baker was going to call in today of an ice storm, and she didn't have enough charge on her phone. Right. So, so, so there are some areas that are very, very cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> they had to wait days for a blanket. They had. They didn't even have toothbrush or toothpaste. One person is reporting that he put soap on his finger to brush his teeth, like regular body soap. Um, that's just disgusting. <laughs> I wouldn't yep. want to eat soap. Um, but I tell you what, if that was all I had, I would do it too. Right, right. I, they have know, no choice. There is. Or go three weeks without brushing their teeth. Right. Um, right. They were. They were not given. I mean, hey, the, 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 on Survivor, not, but or, right. <laughs> you know, no, no, <laughs> they don't do that. How many days? No, okay, yeah, they right. do. But, but <laughs> no, I'm not trying to make light of it. This is what I mean about uh, the inmate right, inmate rights, and uh, their constitutional rights. Uh, it must. You know, there's a level of humanity, cleanliness, san- uh, it being sanitary mm-hmm. enough. Um, the medical care that you're supposed to receive and within the proper time that has been uh, measured, uh, depending on what it is that you are complaining about. Um, there are there actually uh, have been um, counts where people are having seizures. I've heard this twice so far. They were legitimately having seizures. seizures. And we're told, you're fake and go away. And, of course, what happened, you you know, so it's, um, and, you know, 
there are times when people have called, and fortunately, you know, I've been able to get through uh, for the most part um, to people, but people tell me when they call, um, the medical nurse will hang up on them. Mm-hmm. Just hang up on them. Just hang up when they're calling about a concern about their loved one. Uh, we have uh, certain prescriptions that are prescribed for uh, inmates for psychotropics, and they're not being mm-hmm. given them, or they might get one every four days, or, or they just might have to go cold turkey. Um, these are the kinds of things that um, <clears throat> that are just just a snippet, just a snapshot of what's going on. So as we uh, have a couple callers tonight uh, that we know are calling in, I just want to let our listeners know that we welcome you to call on behalf of a loved one, and you're more than welcome to share what you've got, share what you know, 917-388-4520, press 1, 917-388-4520. And press one and Marty Oakley, the lovely producer and owner of TS Radio Network, will let you on with us. What else, Tina? Well, things that I think I'm going to read as well. uh, We do have Rachel on the phone right now. Okay. Um, She's got a story to share. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Good evening. Thank you so much for calling and uh, um, and for reaching out to Tina and really appreciate your willingness to come on. I know this is very difficult for you to talk about, uh, but we're so grateful because um, whenever somebody comes on and speaks with us, about, especially about things like this that you're willing to share, uh, not only have you broken new ground, but you also motivate and empower others to talk about it and um and you let them know that they're not alone so i i can't begin to thank you enough you're very welcome (laughs) so so uh, (laughs) where would you you like to start um tina do you want to uh move this forward or would you like me to well, I mean, I was going to have her go ahead and start with um, her Pontotoc County Jail, the incident okay. that happened in there. Okay. And Pontotoc County is uh, on what part of, in what part of the state? South South Central. South Central. Okay. Okay, so what is the closest city to you there? Um, Norman is about, Oklahoma City is 88 miles from Ada, where I'm at. Okay. Ada. Okay, this is (laughs) Ada. Okay, say no more. No, I mean, okay, that's another hot spot, hot spot. Ada. Okay, so um, you... You were not a good girl somehow, and you wound up in Pontotoc County Jail. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
Okay. So, okay. All right. And um, were you there for a long time, or was that a temporary, or what, what came of that? Would you like to share with us the offense, or it's really kind of moot at this point, but it's up to you. Yes. Um, I was in a mental health court. And I got in trouble and was waiting to go to prison for the second time. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, because the, um, what they've done now when people need support emotionally, mentally, is um, instead of helping you, they taunt you, they abuse you, and then they take advantage of you um, far too often, as has been reported so and um, so I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that. So you had to go back, okay? So what happened while you were in the jail before you went to prison? Okay. I had had a seizure, and they put me in a cell up front in the booking area so I could be under – observation and it was a weekend that our normal supervisor was at basic training or something for the the army well they had another one of the guards his name was Kevin Clark and he was in charge yes he was in charge that weekend and he would bring my mop bucket and cleaning supplies to my cell every day so that you know I could clean Well, this Saturday, June 6th of 2014, he he brought the mop bucket to my cell, and he knocked on the door, and he said, I've got everybody cleaned out up here. Um, Everybody's out of the drunk tank, and all the cells are cleared out. He said, you don't ever get out for wreck. You don't ever get out of that cell. He said, so if you'd like, if you'd like, you can clean, you know, mop, and you can clean the cells, and I was more than, more than willing and so I come out, and I'm mopping in the booking area, and there's Kevin Clark and two other officers sitting there, and Kevin is speaking indirectly, not speaking to anybody, not looking at anybody in particular, but he starts making comments about, you know, the kind of girl he'd like to find, and he doesn't want a, a wife because he already has one of those at home. He just wants somebody that he can Play have with. his way with pretty much. Right. And Mm -hmm. one of the officers just puts his head down, shakes his head, and he then proceeds to offer one of the other officers to buy lunch for all the employees if he would go and pick up the Euro sandwiches. So the other officer, of course, said yes, and he he gave him money and sent him out of the jail to go down the street to get sandwiches. It was time to relieve the other officer in the tower, so the Mm -hmm. other officer was going to do that and so there was nobody in the booking area but Kevin and I and behind the booking area is the property room where all the inmates properties kept and I'm just mopping and he's back there in the property room and he calls for me so I lay my mop down and I walk back there and when I get back there he's standing on the other side of a door an open door and he says hey come check this out and I walk around the door and it's a door that's on hinges that shuts. It's, you know, it's not held open. Right. So I walk around the corner. He grabs me. He pulls me 
into the into the little closet, and it's just a small closet with shelves, like a little broom closet. And he's already has his private parts out. He's already erect, and he tells me what he wants me to do, and he pushes my head down, and he proceeds to to finish what he's doing, and that he hears the door in the booking area, and he finishes, and he looks on the shelves, and he rips a bag of shoes open, and he hands me a shoe, and he hits the button, because the only way you can get the door open is if somebody in the tower pops the door, because it's electric, you know, it's electric, and he says, oh, I seem to have let the door shut, and they pop the door. He walks out in front of me, and he walks into the booking area, and he tells the guard, Melinda, that just came from the tower, oh, I was helping Rachel look for some new shoes, which the shoe I had in my hand was a 2XL, and I wore small shoes, and I had two brand new ones. You know, I had a brand new pair on my feet, and about that time, not not a few minutes later. I'm so sorry. I just have to interrupt, first of all, and say I'm so sorry because you just told us what happened. And yeah. what he did to you. So I just have to express how sorry I am. I'm so sorry. It's okay. And it's, I'm enraged. It's okay. And what? And it, it, enraged. Yes. <laughs> I'm enraged over it, of course. Yes. And I'm sure yes. we all are. Um, That's what we're saying. Okay. And, well, the officer comes in with the food and. Mr. Clark takes one bite of his sandwich and he hands me the rest and he winks at me and tells me to go lock down. So I go and I lock down. And that day is a Saturday, so there's visitation. And they're already shorthanded because the one that's in basic training. Well, so again, he's alone up in booking during visitation and he has them pop my door because they're all controlled by the tower. And for show, because there's a speaker in your cell where you can push the button and you can communicate. And I guess it's for show for the for the speakers. He says, um, here, let me get that. And I thought he was talking about my tray, my empty food tray. So I bend down to give it to him. And as I turned, he walks in my cell, grabs my hand, takes me in my shower, shuts the shower curtain, and fondles me oh my god yes um i don't say anything you know i mean after it happens that night i drank a bottle of hand sanitizer which is very high alcohol content and when the new shift was on i guess i was screaming things about it but they didn't think anything of it and i don't remember that because i was so intoxicated Right, and um, I had, I guess, punched my door a few times, had a messed up hand. Well, the next morning, he comes to my cell, and he says, we need to go take a look at that hand, and he takes me to the nurse's station, and he tells me to hop up on the bench, but as I hop up on the bench, he tells, he scoots me flush against the wall, where I guess it's out of camera, you know, camera reach, which he's uh, had this all planned out. No. Not on the weekends. And he no gets on the Dr. Weekend, Pepper right. out of a mini fridge, tells me to hold it on my hand. And he makes a huge show of opening all these drawers and cabinets, 
looking for nothing. I just have a busted knuckle. And he comes and parts my legs and has me feel his privates, and he follows me again. I still don't say anything. Monday comes, I don't say anything because he had told me he had a 15-year-old pregnant daughter at home, and I thought about her. But come Tuesday, I thought, well, what about me, Rachel? Because I've put myself on the back burner for so long. And so I finally slid out under the door to the, huh? Well, what did you just say? Can you repeat that? I'm sorry. I he, have been he, a codependent people pleaser my whole life. And I've put right, my okay. life on the back burner to Understand. make okay. everyone else happy. Okay. Empath, codependent. Okay, got it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Got it. So I finally get the guts and I slip, slide a note under the door to the jail administrator, tell him I needed to talk to him ASAP. And he comes and he opens my door. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, we need to go somewhere private. And we did. And I told him and he had me fill out a statement that day. That was on a Tuesday. By Thursday, I was giving an interview to the um, detective and that Friday, that's good at least, or maybe yes. not. Yes. It is um, well, it is. That Friday, he was arrested when he showed up for work, and he was given a $100,000 bond, and he made bond immediately. But um, this happened during sheriff re-election week, which he's one of the sheriff's employees. That makes it look really, really bad on the sheriff. So what they do with me is put me in a turtle suit, which is the it's a, just a smock that you know people that are suicidal or you know that they need to watch. They can't you can't hang yourself with this. You can't. It's just a little smock. They right. throw me in a padded cell with a drain in the floor that you pee and poop in with no toilet paper. I'm on my oh period my and they won't give me a tampon because they said no. She might eat it. Because they said I might be suicidal because of what happened, which I never expressed that I was. And for 17 days in that cell. So you're the victim, and you get punished that way. Absolutely. I was treated like the enemy. Okay, keep going. I apologize. I interrupted you. Keep going. No, you're fine. I, you know, I was on my period, and I'm in this smock, and every you know, day I would have to just take the smock and turn it a little because it would be filled with blood. And every day, means how would, many days? Oh, I was in there for 17 days with no water. How did you except eat? for a cup of water every once in a while? I had nowhere to wash my hands. I had no toilet paper, no toothbrush, nothing but a drain in the floor to use the bathroom in. And if you had they, to go uh, number two. Yeah, and, and when did they would help? let a trustee clean, oh yes, and when they would let a trustee clean the cell, they would lock you in a chair. They have a chair that straps your arms down, and it totally incapacitates. You know, people that act right. out and are violent, they get strapped to this chair. They would leave me in that. They would leave me in that chair for about seven, eight hours straight, not being able to go to the bathroom, except on myself. On the seventeenth day, I was getting to finally go see my mental health court, my mental health counselor, and they let me out to take a shower. And when I asked for soap, 
the officer pointed at the drain on the floor and said, there's pieces of soap right there. Oh, my goodness. So Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, <sighs> I got moved from the padded cell to a cell. And can, can I I had had a brain injury. Huh? Clean you for you. Did anybody clean you? You like when you had to go number two. I mean, I don't mean to no. harp on that, but I want to know if they made you stay in your own species badly. In the chair, yeah, they didn't care. I didn't get cleaned. What I peed in, what I, I and the, the every few days when they would clean the cell, they would put me in orange jumpsuit so they could wash that turtle suit, but I never right. washed myself. Because there's no way, there's no running water in this padded cell. And I'm in a smock that's not, but a few inches below the crotch with no panties, no bra. And they would let the male inmates walk in there. And there's little, little puddles of blood everywhere I've been laying and having to move. And they would let them walk in on me. And I mean, I'm not, it's, it's, it's humiliating. Male inmates, and why were they going in there? To bring me my tray. And... When I got a tray, because it's suicide watch, you don't get any kind of utensil to eat with. So you eat with your hands. I had dried blood from itching when the blood would dry on my legs, under my fingernails. And it was just filthy and inhumane. But um, they finally take me out of the padded cell 17 days later, and they put me in the cell next to it. And... I don't have my seizure meds, and I haven't had my seizure meds in over a week. And I keep having seizures back to back to back. I had one so bad that one of the officers in the tower said, you fell off, and it's all concrete and metal in that cell. And he said, you were knocked out for about 10 minutes. And I would beg, please, can I get him, will you get my medicine refilled? And the jail administrator would just... He would utter just evil, rude things. And um, okay, this is my talk. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Mm-hmm. I went to prison um, about three weeks after that incident. And on the way to DOC, the jail administrator is who drove me. We passed uh, cornfield. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I love roasted corn on the cob. And he made a comment right. about you. Bet, yeah, I bet you can shut corn pretty good, as good as a BJ blowjob you gave. And, oh. yeah. So, wait a minute. So, this is somebody else. This is the jail administrator. This is who was over the jail. Right. So, this wasn't Clark. No. This was just so on my he, way to to, um, so to Medabath to A&R. So, somebody... Huh? was bragging about that then, do you think? I bet, yeah. I really don't know. Okay. I don't think he okay. was. Fair enough. Okay, fair enough. Yes. All um, right. We pull up but to the this prison. Is how you get talked with. I'm sorry? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. That's exactly, and it was just, and it had been that whole 21 days I'd waited to go to prison. But we pull up to the, to the, to the prison, pull up to the gate, and there's an officer that goes around with the mirror that checks underneath your truck and everything. And this was a rather large CO, and the jail administrator says, yes, yeah, I bet you could pull him in about a minute and a half. 
Uh, no, I'll give it about 30 seconds. And I said, contrary to what you, you believe, I didn't try to pull your employee. Your employee did this to me, and it was none of my, you know, <laughs> I wasn't, it was not, I did not, it was not a mutual consent thing, you know, but it was just the abuse and the banter because it looked bad on his boss and it looked bad on him because he was over the jail. Of course. And I found what out came later, of it? And, pardon me? What came of it? Go ahead. Keep going. Oh, I, I found out later. Well, I went to, that was in 2014, in July of 2014 when I got to Mabel Bassett. And about May of 2015, I went back on a writ, back down to the county. And the jail administrator was actually okay. He wasn't so mean. And, mm-hmm. at the, of course, the preliminary hearing, Mr. Clark's attorney just tried to make me look like the bad guy and made me feel very small, you know, saying that I was the one that told Mr. Clark I needed a – I needed my shower head adjusted, and that's why he went into my shower and that I closed the curtain. In the county jail, there is something? no shower Was head. Can I ever a rape kit done? No. Okay. So I'm going to ask something else very personal. Uh, but I was – it sounds like he was – he did not do his thing. Um. He was arrested you know on two saying. rape by instrumentation, which were his okay. fingers, and okay. a sodomy, you know, oral sodomy. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, okay. I didn't have any. All right, thank you. Oh, you're okay. Right. But in the county jail, there, there, there are no shower heads. They're just little metal spigots that make the water go in a straight stream. There's nothing to be adjusted, you know. Oh. And after court, I said something about that to the jail administrator because he's driving me from court. And I said, did you hear what his attorney said? I said, there's nothing to be adjusted. And he said, I know. And he goes, I think I'm probably going to have to speak. I'm going to have to probably testify for you in court. And he okay. was civil to me. And another girl he brought to prison, I ended up at Mabel Bassett with, said that he told her, she said, he said to her, I always knew that Kevin Clark had it in him. I just didn't think he'd ever take it that far. And I left out an important, important bit of information. Uh, before the incident happened, he just came back from a 30-day suspension for making sexual innuendos to the girls in the pod. So he'd already been suspended for 30 days for making sexual innuendos to the girls. Okay, so I'm wondering if there was any kind of an investigation asking other others uh, there if they had been assaulted. I don't believe so, but there were girls that were all too eager to give them false information because they thought it would get them out of jail. And so I of had course. people write false, yes that this was a money thing, I did this, it was a scam, and so forth. I got heckled on the yard about it in prison because he would, before the incident happened, he would pop my door every once in a while and throw me an apple or something, and they would make comments of about uh, can't, you can't make somebody suck, uh, you know, oh, to give blow, gosh, you right. can't make someone give a blowjob right. or give them blowjobs oh, for apples. Right, yeah. right. 
And we have to be careful because we're on a Christian station. But, but yes, yeah, sorry. I have to say yeah. something. No, no, no. You said it the yes. way. It's fine. It's fine. Yes. I mean, this is why, you know, we, my goodness, it's, um, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I spoke with an attorney on the phone about, you know, filing a civil suit. And this attorney's name was Carlos Henry, and he's from Oklahoma City. And he told me until he either pleads guilty or, is, or pleads out or is found guilty, you do not have a civil case. So I go to Mabel Bassett, and I'm there for two, two years and like four months, and I don't pursue anything. I get out because in here you think that that's actually true. Yes. And okay. May of 2016, I get out, and he, the DA, I don't even know how they knew where I was, but they came to the house I was at, and they brought me to, well, two officers did, and they brought me to the DA, and the DA said, um, this is when the court date is, and we probably won't even need your testimony, but there's a phone line you can call this weekend, and they'll tell you if you need to be there or not. Well, they didn't oh, need boy. me. And he was charged with assault with intent to commit a felony. Okay, because so you did not even go, though then, he had you're saying. He got a deferred sentence. He got a deferred and you did not go. Is that correct? No, nope, I wasn't. Nope. They told me they did not need me. They yep, didn't need because my testimony. Because they... he pled out. Uh, he took a plea deal. Would you have gone if they had asked you to go? Absolutely, I would have. You, you would have been okay going, like you would have been able to handle I, that. Yes. Yeah. So that's just Because by that time, I'm kind of bitter. Oh, uh, yeah, huh? it's very typical. You absolutely needed to be there. But they want yes. to make all the deals and move things along, move things along. You, you know, keep the judge happy, keep the judge on their side. You know, just this is um, this is very, very typical. And, of course, protect. Protect, protect. Yes. Not you. Nope. And listeners, the very sad thing is that if you're new to listening here, that um, this is actually commonplace. And the fact that it even made it as far as him being charged. It's practically a miracle in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Right, Tina? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, we've spoken to others that have been raped. We have actually have others that are kind of waiting in the wings right now coming to come forward to actually work at various facilities. Um Pat came forward and let us know what he knew. Uh, he was He's an ex-CO, uh, corrections officer. Um, see, now, we have a big problem in Oklahoma where uh, you take a very short course to become a corrections officer. And, uh, and at the end of that course, you're given a test. And if you get the answers wrong, you get to keep answering until you get it right. Um, the pain is very, very low. You've got kids fresh out of high school 
now that they're hiring, they've changed that. Not the seasoned corrections officers that have been doing this are involved with with uh, contraband and making a really good living. Inside of uh, we need to keep that background quiet if we could, please. So the end result was he got how? So, so I, I just add that information to the mix. Um, actually, just to you know, there's a lot. There's a lot to this. Once somebody has caught you doing something wrong or, you know, you've participated in something wrong, you know, as a public servant, uh, and somehow, you know, it gives them permission to let you, you know that you've done something wrong. So they, then you kind of get stuff over each other's head, you know, for those that are these kinds of people. And then, you, you know, this is just like, um, it's like cancer. And unfortunately, the worst of the worst that actually are inside of these facilities, you know, barring some really, really bad stuff, honestly, the corrections officers that are doing this, the ones that are, the wardens that are charging it up, the... Oklahoma Department of Corrections for not doing anything about what's going on and instead of solving the problem they're punishing the inmates more for the problem for Mm -hmm. instance they've just taken earned time away Uh, we'll get into that on another show or maybe we'll touch on that so what happened is how how much time did he get, Rachel? He got a deferred sentence. He didn't get any time. Right. So how long was his probation for any period of time? Did he go back to work? Do you know if he was fired? Hello, Rachel. Was he fired? I'm sorry. I uh, he was fired. He was um, arrested when he showed up to work, but um, he got a deferred sentence. He didn't do any time. Okay, so then he was on probation for how long? I don't even really know. Okay, um, it didn't show up in ODCR. I'm sorry. I'm okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we got a. Um, all right. So I've got another question for you. Um, yes. Number one, how are you doing now? I'm doing really good. Um, actually, um, I went back to prison in 2019 or 2018, and this time I went to Eddie Warriors. And okay. It was a blessing. Really? I absolutely. Oh, I okay. Sharon McCoy was the warden there then. She's not there now. 
that she demanded the officers treat us with dignity and respect. I was a full-time college student, which I got to do through financial aid, which is not available at all the prisons. It's just a trial basis. And I was a full-time college student, and I had a full-time job. And I cooked for the staff by myself Monday through Friday. I cooked them lunch, and I served it to them in the admin building. So it was one of the most trusted jobs. And we were treated very well. Oh, my goodness, which is a far cry from what it is now. Do what? It's a far cry from what it is now. So I'm I know so I've been hearing about the I've been hearing about the COVID crisis at Eddie Warriors, and I've been keeping up with it, and it's sad. It's very sad. So, so you have something good to say as far as an experience and how it helped you. And yes. so now you do you have are are you um, you're employed now. No, not employed. Um, it took me, um, after getting out this time, it took me a year to find a job. I was turned down. Of course, the COVID crisis has been bad, but yeah. I was turned down for nine of the ten interviews because I had a knowingly concealing stolen property, and that keeps anybody from wanting to hire me because they don't want me to handle their money. So no retail oh. stores, no, you know, no Dollar General, no any, nothing like that. The other okay, time, so the it's other a financial got, crime. All right. All right. I'm in a homeless shelter right now. Pardon me? And I'm in a homeless shelter. Okay. Okay. Well, congratulations on your pregnancy. Thank you. Um, I think this little man probably saved my life. Oh. But um, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, well, congratulations. So now what is Thanks. the plan now? I'm talking to prospective um, adoptive families because I was adopted and I was given a beautiful life. My <sighs> mom and daddy are amazing, good people, and I have nothing right now to offer, no job, and I know how hard it is to get it. And so I'm trying to make a very hard decision. And- Um, either you're cutting out or I'm cutting out. I can't hear. Nope. Okay, go ahead. Tina, am I cutting out? I hear you now. Okay. I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so how far along are you? I'm due December 12th. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, yes. And like I said, he's probably saved my life. Because no, I, and I finally found a job, and I had a job about two months ago. They knew I was pregnant when I got hired, but I was a waitress at a restaurant, and I had morning sickness, so I had to run to the bathroom. So they fired me because it might scare the patrons off. Okay, so I had a job for two weeks, and they fired me because I had morning sickness, and that might make the patrons not want to come back, and I was laid off. Okay, but all right, but know this, you got a job, and guess yes. what? You weren't fired under bad circumstances. 
Uh, I mean, you know what I mean? It wasn't because of anything you did wrong. No. Know that you are going to get another job. Okay? Know yeah. that. And I hope that, and I'm sure in time you're going to um, get out of your homeless situation. But I'm so glad that you have a homeless, a place to be in. Um, Absolutely. And there, yeah, you have a place to have a clean shower, food, shelter, and your life has turned around. Yes, and this is nothing like what you envision a homeless shelter as. When people think homeless shelter, this is nothing like that. And the lady that runs it, she's been in my shoes, you know. She was an addict, and she's lived that life, too. And this is really a place for change. And they it's called Mama T's after Mother Teresa. And oh, my goodness. It's, uh, it's, it's Mama T's B&B. It's Bread and Blessings. And... It holds me accountable. They help you with things you – it's it's a blessing to be here. Okay. I have and a lot of support. Sad as – What – yeah. I am – Yeah. Stay still. Uh, Tina, why don't you just uh, try to talk so I can so I can okay. uh, try to figure this out. So, Rachel, um, you said you went to Mabel Bassett from the jail. Yes. And do you have anything to say about Mabel Bassett? Well, let me tell you. By listening to you guys talk at the beginning of the show. And talking about the medical negligence absolutely happened at, Med- at Mabel Bassett. I witnessed at least five people die while I was there. One of them, my friend Miriam, was begging for a- I was on the medical pod, and she was begging for a breathing treatment. And the nurse just pushed her away and said, I don't have time. Go lay down. And where she laid down, she died. Oh. Um, yes. And similar instance with a 36-year-old librarian at Mabel Bassett. She kept going to medical, and they kept insisting nothing was wrong with her and turned her away, turned her away, and she died in her sleep. And she had no pre-existing conditions, nothing. Um, Also, while I was there, there was a woman who was, she had no legs, and I mean, she didn't have stumps or anything. They were cut off completely to her torso, and she was on dialysis at least three times a week. And they would take her to Lexington for that. Well, they have her belted in, or they don't have her belted in. They don't have her shack, but they get in a wreck, and she's not belted in. She has no legs, but her arms are, she's handcuffed. She has no way to brace herself. They have a belly chain, and her hands are chained to the belly chain. She has no legs, and they get in a wreck, and they killed her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they, um, they, they, (laughs) yes, my friend died, this lady I loved very much, she died, and she died on a Thursday, and that Saturday, when they call you for visitation, they do it over the loudspeaker, and her family apparently was there to visit, and they were calling her over the loudspeaker, so they didn't even know, I mean, yeah, oh, goodness. 
Yeah. How horrible. Oh, yes. And then, and yeah, it, the medical staff, they just treated us like absolute dogs there. There were a couple good ones, a very, very, very um, elderly one nurse. But this time when I went through A&R, she, was, she could barely walk from one side of the yard to another. But um, I believe that about the Lexington conditions because the first time I ever went to prison was in A&R. It was in Lexington. And they don't have heat or air at all, period. And it was filthy. And I think the, the, the showers were open showers with like 10 spigots. And the drain wouldn't work. And so you stood in about a foot deep of everybody's waste. And, you know, the water was about foot deep. It was so disgusting. And mid-July, oh I was there in mid-July. There's no air conditioning and solid steel doors and a huge window that faced the east. And we would just wet our sheets and lay them on the concrete, and we would get in our bras and panties and just lay on that wet sheet on the concrete to try to keep cool. And, and so we've heard this about them and, and from a number of different people, uh, including somebody else who was who was in there. And so, I mean, this is, again, this is just uh, the fact that temporary situation. This is ongoing. Yet the Oklahoma Department of Corrections comes up with little videos when things get heated up and we're making enough noise and getting some things done. They come up with these videos to try to remove to try to remove that um what we shared. Am I still cutting out? Yes. You're better now. Okay. I don't know what's going on. Um, uh, so, okay. Keep going. So, didn't you say they kept your medicine away from you at Mabel Bassett? Um, pardon me. I couldn't understand you. Didn't you say they kept your medicine away from you while you were at Mabel Bassett? Or am I remembering that they, Now, that they did what? Did they keep your medicine from you at Mabel um, Bassett? No, that was in the no, that was in the county jail that I didn't uh, have my seizure meds and I didn't get my mental health meds, which I was already um, diagnosed with PTSD, and then the assault happened, and I couldn't even get my my mental health meds. Okay. But I get to Mabel Bassett, and my seizures are very bad, and all they would do is just add another pill, add another pill, and it ends up I'm taking about seven or eight different pills for seizures, and nothing's working. Um, I was put up in medical in a room for observation one night, and I, I guess I had fallen off the bed, and my face ping-ponged back and forth against the bedside table in the bed. And, of course, I had released my bladder, and my nose was bleeding. When the nurse came in, she opens the door, and she looks at me. She goes, I said, can I please have an ice pack? And she said, I'm sick of this stuff. Here, 
wipe up that pee and sop up that blood. And she made me clean up after myself, but just refused an ice pack or anything and slammed the door on me. Yeah. And I didn't file a grievance because it would be harder on me if I did. Right. Right. We've heard about that. Oh, yeah. All the officers there would very disrespectful and would cause drama to watch fights. And they would call you names. It was just not a good place at all. It was just, it was one of the most predatory evil. I got stabbed at Mabel Bassett and I went to lock for 30 days because I wouldn't give them the name of the person who did it. Because she was a life without. She was never getting out of prison anyway. If I had told her. She had nothing her, to lose I'd have, then. So if yeah, you told, then what would nothing. have happened to you? She probably would have killed me. And when you get killed in prison, your life is not worth anything but five years. That's what they yeah. give people in prison for killing other people. So I oh, had wow. stitches down my side. And they threw me in a shower, which has a lock on it. It's in, it's in the, when you get, you get put in lock for getting in trouble, they have showers and they have doors that lock on them. And it's wet, it's moldy, it's gross. And I'm having to lay there. And they made me lay there for about 12 hours. And I had a fresh wound on my side. And again, I was treated like the enemy. Now stay with stay with us. I want to hear if I'm on, if you can hear me now. <laughs> Are we okay yeah, with I can my hear. voice? Okay, stay stay with us. I'm just going to. This is um, this is from a, a woman who does not want her name disclosed. Uh, her son has been beaten very badly by other inmates and the corrections officers. Let them get away with it because they are paid off. She said, I've been fighting the Oklahoma system for six years now, and it's most the most insane and inhumane system she's ever dealt with. He's been beaten so many times. One time I thought he would die. He's had all of his stuff stolen and more times than I can count, and finally they started extorting him for money, which nobody wanted to believe him. So they're, so they're extorting him for money. Well, and then they started calling her. They took, they took her son into SEG the other, uh, and took the other guy's phone, um, and it didn't stop. He had his people start calling her and telling her that they wanted money or they were going to have her son killed. So finally they decided that my son was telling the truth. As he gets to stay in SEG, so he goes into SEG to stay, to stay safe. Um, it's all about the money and keeping them there no matter what the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Prayers of protection and prayers against the demons of suicide for all those battling these demons today. Her son was finally transferred to OSP a couple of weeks ago from uh, Lockett Day. I'm not going to say where. Um, let me see. There, okay, so there's more. Um, guards are telling the inmates, kill yourself today. 
Kill yourself. Make my job easier. Go ahead. Hang yourself. Her son said he had tied himself and started to hang and started hanging until he turned blue. Her son hollered for the guards that came to the door and was going to spray the guy with their spray. My son blocked the bean hole because he knew if the spray got on his cellmate's face, he would definitely suffocate to death. When the guy saw the guards willing to take him to suicide watch, he stood up but couldn't get it untied from his neck. At that point, the guards took him out but left it on his neck, not even sure if he's still alive. A a 25-year-old that was above the cell, in the cell above her son, did the exact same thing. But nobody blocked the bean hole, so they sprayed him. Her son could hear the guards talking and saying they have a faint heartbeat, but he didn't hear any of them try to save him. Later, inmates asked about him, and they were told he'd been dead for several hours. Several other inmates have written statements as to witnessing the same thing and being told the same thing. Kill yourself. Hang yourself day after day. Uh, Okay. That's enough. Um, This is Oklahoma. Oklahoma Department of Corrections. Um. And they are doing nothing about this. Nothing about this, listeners. We know that we have a lot of loved ones listening now, and they're nodding their head yes. If they're they're not already crying. Um. They're doing nothing about this. And when I spoke with an attorney general, uh, uh, with a jury investigator, um, grand jury investigator uh, at the attorney general's office, we spoke at length. Uh, His answer, although sounding empathetic, was this is just how it is. It's another society. Got this recorded, so I'm surmising it. Uh, it's just the way it is. Everybody knows it happens. That's how it is. And it's been like that for years. Um, is that a good answer? No. Is that acceptable? No. no. That proves so, that they know what's going on and they don't want to do anything about it. That's all that is. Correct. And they have not so far uh, changed policy regarding um, the corrections officers who are the main source of contraband inside of the prisons. So yet, if an inmate is found with a cell phone, they are punished, okay? Now, are you supposed to have that? No. But guess what happens? If you are on a recorded phone when you're trying to talk to your loved one about the conditions, guess what happens? Guess what happens when you try to make a complaint about the conditions? 
nobody is expecting nor anticipating when they go into prison that they are going to get fed bonbons and have neck massages and cushy comforters. We understand that. A price needs to be paid for an offense. But your sentence does not include black mold. It does not include rape. It does not include eating maggots that are coming out of that are uh, pushing out with a meat grinder, as, as we have been told from several people that have been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does not include walking in foot deep water, being subjected to all kinds of germs and contaminations. It does not include being in a general population with others with COVID. It does not include if you want to use the phone, you've got to use the same phone as other people that have COVID without proper, without sanitizing it. It does not mean that you pay off, uh, that, that you, that you, uh, arrange entertainment night and you bet on two prisoners and you for who see who's going to come out ahead you know right before they stop the fight uh, that they've set you up with a uh, street fight uh, you know for entertainment this is just what they do it is it in some places it does not mean that you put that you, that you chain arms and legs and put them into a an interrogation cell and belittle, belittle, belittle and have a very loud recording of a song. What is it? Shark Baby or what's it called? That Baby Shark. Baby Shark. Shark. So that is an absolute straw in a haystack that that situation was actually brought to the public and pros- and being prosecuted. And why not and why is that? Is that because every now and then somebody has to take the hit to make it look like they actually don't let this happen? So as horrible as that story is, I feel that that's exactly Um, so were you transferred to various different facilities, Rachel? Um, no, I stayed at Mabel Bassett. My second incarceration I, where I was at Mabel Bassett, I stayed there the whole time. And this last time I had to stay there because of past charges. I didn't qualify to go to work release which it's probably a blessing because the work centers are nothing but government-funded dope houses. Okay. You know, the and what do you mean by that? Go, the inmates go out to work, and they bring it. It's just drug-infested, and it's not a good place, and I was exactly where I needed to be with some structure. They shut okay. down two of the women's work centers while I was incarcerated in 18 and 19. Um, Turley and Enid both got shut down. And, well, they only have one for women now, and it's OKC, Triple C. Um, my husband was incarcerated at the Cimarron Correctional Center in Cushing, which 
uh, DOC cut off. They they dropped their contract with them, and so he is he was sent to Crabtree. But um, those places that are private, they are ran absolutely different, and it's at, they the work centers. They're nothing but just dope houses, and that's the truth. Okay, so and like what you speak so on about the guards know, bringing in the contract. So, go ahead. So, explain how you know this. Is that because of your husband? Oh no, knowing this. Oh wait, about the the work centers. Yes. No, no, I know that because there's a lady named Rhonda Bear, who was an inmate at Mabel Bassett, who comes mm-hmm. into the prison and she teaches women in transition. One of the classes you can take. And she has transitional homes in Claremore. And, you know, it's you get out of prison, you can go to one of these transitional homes, and you live in her home, and it just teaches you how to be re- reintegrated into, into society. Okay. But she, during the classes I took there with her, you know, she would bring information, you know, in about things that were going on through the prison. And you also... I mean, a lot of my friends had been there to the work centers and uh, okay. the Carver Center yeah. in the city, and it's just a place to deal drugs and go out to work and have sex and meet up at Redemption Church, and it's just, I don't believe there's any kind of rehabilitation there. It's a sham. Yes, because they make money off of the inmates. The inmates go to work, and they get a percentage of their check. And that's what it's about. And the money that is funding this, it, that's how it is uh, being put to use. Yes. Do you know the percentage that they keep of the paycheck? I am not. I'm not aware, no. Okay. I do have a friend here in the shelter, and he's done over 20 years in the Department of Corrections. And, Tina, I might have him get a hold of you. He's um, changed his life. It's a beautiful story. This is a man that did 20 years and got out, and he robbed a bank with a ball-ping hammer to get his drug fix. And now he's in the drug court program, and he worked at – there's a place here in Ada called Abba's Table – and it, they served dinner to the homeless, and he was doing community service there. And when he told them, he was like, you just have me for about nine hours, and then I'm done. The little ladies that are on the board there that just adore this person that's done 20 years in prison and then, you know, robbed a bank with a ball-ping hammer, they refused to let him go. And he has a job there, and this man now can walk into the bank, and the people know his name, and he is somebody I send all the new people that come in here that are in drug court or different various programs. He's the one to listen to because he's got a great story and he's a, an inspiration. And I will talk to him, Tina, and maybe have him get in contact with you. That would be great. I appreciate that. Because he's seen a lot more than I have. I'm sure he has seen a lot. But that thank would be you, thank awesome. you so much for that. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. We need people like you to continue coming out and sharing. 
these stories with us. Um, if we don't have people talking uh, and willing to, you know, submit their affidavit, then it's it's only as good as a conversation over the water cooler. And we've been very fortunate uh, that we've been able to take, uh, you know, that we're compiling as much as we have um, and, you know, working to take this um, to an to a, absolute another level um what was what was the food like there um at maple basket the food was not bad at all um we had some of the best rolls i've ever had in my life (laughs) Um, (laughs) and that's we made them and of course good thing Yes, the food was not bad. A lot better than county jail. Um, I, at Eddie Warriors, I cooked for the staff, and I served them lunch every day in the admit building. So I got to eat really good. <laughs> but we, it's just a whole different prison. Like the, the people that run the kitchen at Eddie Warriors, Mr. Gandy um, and Miss Graham, I mean, are amazing, godly, good people that made a change in my life and a change in me. So it's like night and day compared, like the two places compared, absolute night and day. Okay, so are they still at Eddie Warrior? Um, well, Mr. Gandy, yes, Daryl Gandy, he's still over the kitchen, and Miss Graham is one of the head supervisors. But Sharon McCoy, who was our warden that demanded that, they treat us with dignity and respect, and you can't, no as an inmate, hand. even cuss in that prison. Um, but she she retired while I was there, but I didn't get to be with the new one very long. Okay. But Sharon McCoy okay. was a I know. beautiful woman. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Sharon McCoy was a beautiful woman, and she ran that prison right, but... The stories I'm hearing now and the videos I'm seeing, the footage on Facebook, mm-hmm. and awful. Mm-hmm. Very bad. But that, that goes to show. That goes to show what a difference a good warden who demands that they treat the inmates with dignity and respect. That shows how much that matters. Because that's what helped her, helped Rachel turn her life around. Do you see what I'm saying? If you've got a testimonial. Right. That's a great point. What a testimonial. (laughs) Can you imagine what that would have been like if you did not have that experience? And you have the experience of what others are having now. You you know what I mean? Yes. Can you imagine that? um, I can imagine it because I've lived it at Mabel Bassett. Um, This time, but yeah, I can imagine. I I I hear stories. I still have friends that are inside at Eddie Warriors, and I hear stories and. 
my life, I may not be where I want to be today, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. <laughs> you know, something tells me that you've got a future with advocacy or, or you know, where you can help others, um, you know, uh, because you've got one heck of a story to tell, don't you? I do, and that is what I want to do is social work, and I want to incorporate my culinary degree, and I would like to teach felons and drug addicts and maybe homeless people. A lot of them, people I've been in prison with, have never held a legitimate job, a nine-to-five job, and I would like to teach them a trade, which my passion is food, and I like to help people, so I've got to incorporate the two. It sounds like you have a plan. I do. And you're going to have a beautiful baby, and you're going to decide what to do. Yes. And I turn to him for all the answers today. I'm sorry? I I turn to the big guy for all the answers today because I was – saved and baptized this last time at Eddie Warriors, and I felt that bondage. All the bondage of years of drug abuse and all that stuff just lifted off of me, and people would look at me crazy when I said, I am more free today in prison than I had been my whole life. (laughs) And he's still working in me and working through me, and I want to continue that. Then you will. That is a beautiful testimonial. Uh, it's it's uh it's nice to hear something like that on our show for a change, isn't mm-hmm. it, Tina? Yes, definitely. Amazing. Okay. Um, I'm looking at some other messages that we have gotten. Um, and. Let me see. Okay. All right. So now uh, we've got he's, someone has uh, several units. Uh, uh, has been there since. I'm uh, forgive me. I'm just trying to look at some other uh, messages that people had sent me, and I'm in a limited. Uh, I don't have my other uh, electronics with me, so I'm using my phone. I had to move. Uh-oh. How's my signal, you guys? Fine. Okay, okay, good. Um, got somebody in, all right, somebody in Lawton, no mental issues. Uh, in, uh, the, okay, the Bloods, uh, we, we know this, we've talked about this, but there are the Bloods, the gang called the Bloods and the gang. They're very popular in the prisons, and they are, they are in control of what goes on, and they are being paid off, and they um, and they're paying off the guards. Okay, this is at Lawton. All right, see, we've had a lot of discussions about Lawton, which, of course, is Comanche County, but it's Lawton, um, which is um, which is run by the feds, right? So he's been on several units. He's been there. Let me see. Uh, okay. Um.
Okay, so her son, there's somebody else. Her son has been beaten very badly by other inmates. And the COs are uh, letting them um, letting them get paid off. That's another one. That's another one. Um, now, I wanted to talk a little bit tonight. Stay with us, please. Feel free to stay with us. Um, oh, we can't. It's 930, people. Uh, which means it's uh, eight for your time. So our show is ninety minutes. Okay. So it's time. It's time okay. to sign off. Rachel, All I right. want to thank you so very much for calling in. I'm sorry, but I've got to cut this off quickly. We'll be in touch. Please stay in touch with Tina, and uh, certainly hook her up with others that you know. Uh, Tina, I want to thank you for bringing Rachel to us tonight, and um, and I can't wait to see you tomorrow. I would like our listeners to know that we have got, of course, more of law in Comanche County wrongful conviction uh, coming up. Uh, as well, we have this is just uh, some more information for the more shows that are coming up very soon. As well, we have um, an attorney coming on uh, for um, that represent that is representing uh, those that have been affected by the McGirt decision. So for, this is on behalf of the Native Indians. And so he's going to come on. We're going to have a small little um, uh, series with him on Sunday nights. So that's coming up. Um, so I just want to thank everybody so much for tuning in tonight. Please be in touch with Tina at okincarcerated at yahoo.com or myself at injusticeinoklahoma at gmail.com. Uh, thank you again. Everybody get out and vote. Everybody get out and vote. Just do your thing. Get out there and vote. I'm Tanya Hathaway with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told on Marty Oakley, TS Radio Network, and Stephen Burke, 89.9, KLRB, FM, Lighthouse Christian Radio. Good night, everybody, and God bless. <laughs>